to Movie Fail Podcast. I'm Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield. And we're going to be discussing uh, superhero movies. Um, this is this is sort of a broad discussion, uh, and not just superhero movies, but comic book movies in general uh, as well. Um, there's just so much information, I feel like, in the past couple of um, months and, and, uh, and years, and, and just the way um, that whole genre has sort of blown up on screen. Um, but to kick off the discussion, uh, I think, I think what is warranted is a, a, uh, calm, collected conversation about, uh, X-Men <laughs> Days of Future Past. So I'm going to let cool. you go first because I, I avoided your review when it first, you first wrote it cause I hadn't seen the movie yet. And then I saw the movie and I haven't had a chance to read your review. So I'll, I'll let you oh. get your, your thoughts out of the way first. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, um, I hated X-Men Days of Future Past. Like, I, I really just loathed it. And um, a, a large part of the problem I had with it is in the ways that it's, that it's indicative of kind of the state of not just blockbuster movie making, but more specifically these comic book superhero franchises. Um, and we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to spoil it. So just fair warning. Um, by the end of, uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, I walked out of the theater and all I could think was like, was the whole point of that movie just to set up other X-Men movies that they want me to pay for in the future? Because I didn't find it like super entertaining, but that would have been fine, except for the final scene of the movie is all about saying, oh, you know, yeah, we think X-Men 3 sucked too, but now we fixed it. So come see the movies we're going to make soon because... Now we now we know what we're doing, and that really annoyed me because like I, I just wanted to see an X Men movie, and I feel like I'm just being marketed to to see future X Men movies, and I think that's something that the early Marvel Cinematic Universe movies fell praise to in their worst moments. Um, I think we can agree that the worst parts of those early Marvel movies were the parts where Shield showed up and kind of interrupted the rest of the movie. Well, it in depends. General. It depends. I mean, I think that that was that was particularly bad in things like um, uh, what you call it um, in Iron Man two. I mean, that was Iron Man two was the worst for it sure. Yeah, even and in Thor as well. Um, it was kind of like Shield shows up for no reason. Right. Having said that, they also are their own sort of entity and their own set of characters that we don't have any exposure to, and so and they're a pretty big part of the Avengers movie. So it, you know, we needed some sort of. Um, no, yeah, that's that's abs- that's true. Um, but I think the, when it really failed in those movies is when it felt like we're just, we're, we're teasing this stuff cause we're going to make other movies with these people. Right. And I feel like that should not like, it's a tough line to walk. No, definitely. And, exactly, and they, did, yeah. they had to push it a little bit. And, and the other thing too, is I think a lot of people cut them slack and I, in many ways want to, um, on a lot of things, uh, like that because they were trying something that hadn't really been attempted before. So in some ways, I I understood what they were trying to do because it's like, how do you connect all these different worlds together? How do you adapt, first of all, not only good, but consistent, um, uh, con- like make a consistent universe out of Thor 
and you know Captain America and Iron Man. How do you make that into one coherent thing? And that's really what I think they were trying to do, and and what you know the problem they ran into, and why they had to use Shield to sort of unite all these things. And I mean, honestly, they did they did make for a, that did make for a pretty consistent. I mean, they they made for aesthetic choices and things that um, that really helped link it together. But having familiar faces appear throughout was useful. Um, so in that respect, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I think it was very useful, but I also agree that yes, it got pretty bad at some points. But it's funny that you had this problem with Days of Future Past because. Um, I think that the difference between you and, and a lot of the fans of, of X-Men at this point are really that um, there are X-Men, people who like X-Men in the comics are uh, happy that there's an X-Men franchise, obviously. They're very excited about it. Um, but they haven't, it, it has hardly been the like um, dream come true sort of big screen adaptation of what they wanted X-Men to be. Um, as as fans, and uh, and it started off strong. I mean, X Men, the first one, really was one of the first. But you know, along with Spider Man one, along with um, uh, Blade and a couple other movies, they were really it was really the beginning of the superhero sort of explosion um, at the in the early two thousands. And it was a it was a solid film, and 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 that was a really good start. But it's sort of taken played you know taken uh, backseat. Played second fiddle, you know, pick your cliche to 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 Marvel's uh, main sort of uh, universe, and part of that is that they lost the influence of Brian Singer for a couple of movies, um, and part of it is that you know they've they've sort of haven't really known what they were going to do with the franchise. Um, but anyway, pe- people have been rather upset with just the whole series, and and First Class was a big deal because it brought a lot of hope back to the series in terms of it being a new um, beginning uh, for the for the thing. And, and then I think that Days of Future Past was um, was even more a direct response to to not just fans of X-Men. I mean, I've, I've, I've read hardly any X-Men comics, but also fans of just the series in general who liked the original movies, the, the first two movies, and have been waiting for it to sort of, you know, come back to... Uh, to its restore its former glory, sort of thing. So I think for us it was a big deal, and, and actually from the very first trailer, where you have Xavier talking to young, you know, old Xavier talking to young Xavier, and he says, you know, we need you to hope again. Uh, as soon as I saw that in the, the theater, I was like, oh, they're talking to the audience right now. This is absolutely <laughs> has nothing to do with the movie. This is all about, and in the movie it has nowhere near as much gravitas. It happens so much more um, quickly in the movie. And I realized that that really was them really pleading with the audience to be like, no, 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 we, we're really trying to fix it. We really screwed up and we're trying to... So as a fan, I was... I mean, perhaps it was fan service, but I actually really liked that. I also just thought it was a fun movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. It had more merit than just that, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was a fun movie, and I think maybe that's where just part of this frustration right now is coming from. At least in terms, uh, or as it applies to Days of Future Past, um, my problems with the movie are numerous, and we won't go into them. But, and I, I think actually, um, what you're saying is interesting because my favorite X Men movie by far is X Men First Class. Yeah, and I don't think it's uh, any coincidence that that's the only X Men movie that doesn't feature Wolverine other than a cameo. <laughs> Um, I don't hate Wolverine. I don't think Wolverine is really at all interesting. I kind of think they ran out of interesting things to do with Wolverine in X2, and that's being generous. 
but for some reason he's been the main character of every X-Men movie. That okay, so that is a problem, and and that's a problem that a lot of people have pointed out. And they even shoehorn him in here, and I feel like most of this movie is a first class sequel. Why did they need to shoehorn in Wolverine or even the rest of the older X Men? Really, because they don't get to do anything. Well, you know, I I, I appreciated the the parallel sort of scenes, especially with Magneto towards the end, had a a, a really cool parallel action sequence going on in the past and the present um, or the future, I guess. Um, but you do make a good point about Wolverine. It's a problem that a lot of people have had with the franchise that Wolverine's taken sort of center stage, which he does a little bit in the um, in the comics in many ways. But you know, really, there are characters like Cyclops who are supposed to be like the main. You know, he's the leader of the X Men. You know, it's not Wolverine. It's not you know. So so there's a lot of characters who took, who got sort of short shrift, um, who weren't characterized well. As many as much as people liked X Men one and two, they hated characters like Rogue and things like that who are awesome in the comics, but in the movies really were downplayed in a lot of weird ways. Um, partially because they were feeling out, you know, how much silliness, how much are people willing to take? Now we know people are willing to take a spandex, uh, you know, uh, American flag wearing superhero on the big screen and be like, no, that's, that's fine. And that's crazy. And if you told Brian Singer that in 2001 or whenever uh, X-Men 1 came out, he would laugh at you because that's absurd. Um, they make fun of it in X-Men. Like, there's a line that yes, kind of... But but consider the costumes in X-Men 1 and 2. They're all the black leather, Matrix-era, yeah. uh, Blade, all of that. They picked the least comic booky type things because they were afraid of what, you know... The only superhero things that had been tried previously were those very comic book-like costumes, but they were low-budget and silly and goofy, and they were trying to get as far away from that as possible. So, like, how do we update this and make it, you know you know, palatable to people. It turns out people want the silly comic book thing. They just want it with a high budget. And it's like that combination that works really well for Marvel. And they're, they've, they realized this, it just took a very long time. And so, um, that was a big deal. But, so, but that, that's all a side point. Um, back to Wolverine. It's a problem that a lot of people have had with the series. And I don't know if you know about, um, Fades of Future Past, the comic, but it was, it's, it's uh shadow cat that goes back in time. Yeah. yeah. It's Kitty Pride. So, um, clearly that was a decision made on, the basis of Hugh Jackman's check and how much money Hebert draws in um, for them, but I agree. I agree. Wolverine was perhaps shoehorned in here, but you know he had good moments in this. There was there was a lot. Um, and and by the way, Wolverine as a character in the comics, uh, just from what I know about him, um, having read about the character a lot, um, and I actually have read a few comics about Wolverine. Um, he actually is a rather interesting character. I mean, he's somebody who's lived through all these these world wars, civil not civil wars. Uh, he's but he fought in Vietnam. He fought in World War One, World War Two. He's been around for like a hundred years, and so he has this really really interesting history in terms of what he's been involved with. The story that X Men or uh, X Men Origins Wolverine f- completely failed to tell was really interesting. Uh, the Wolverine had another story, the Silver Samurai, and this whole outing in Japan, which is a big deal in the comics. Um, and again, arguable whether or not they executed it that well, but there is, there is a lot there and there's a reason Hugh Jackman is a huge fan of that character. I'm amazed that he's been willing to go along with what they've done with him because it's not really faithful to the character. Um, but yes, I, on that front, I I do agree. but I don't think it's Wolverine, the fault of Wolverine. It's them giving too much spotlight to him and also not understanding what makes Wolverine interesting isn't like, you know him just standing there shirtless, you know, squeezing bullets out of his skin over and over again. Like, that's that's not going to get people 
excited. You know, they want to see all the other things that are related to his history and his past and have that sort of affect him as a character. And that's all he does in Days of the Future Past. And I think really what it comes down to there is like, if every single time something happens, something happens in Days of Future Past, they have to find an excuse for Wolverine to not be part of it. Um, and there's, it's, it gets like really contrived at times. Like when he sees William Stryker and he just briefly forgets where he is mm-hmm. so that he's not in the action scene in the plaza. Basically, that's the only reason that happens. And it's so weird to me because it really does feel like what does Wolverine accomplish by going back in time? Really nothing. Like other than the fact that he is there, what, what actions does he take to affect the story in any way? And it really, it really, really feels like he is only there, only there, because fans like seeing Wolverine. And that bothers me so much when that kind of, the filmmakers and the studio, more importantly, really, you know, pandering so hard to this fan base, and it's... But I don't really... think, that's what I'm saying, I don't think, I think you're, you, that's mischaracterizing. I don't think it's the fan base. I think it's um, just... Uh... Why, it's the same sort of thing that you would say, like, why do the Transformers movies get, uh, you know, why why are, why are does no one write a better script for the Transformers movies? Why are the Transformers movies not, you know, better made, better whatever? Because there's a whole contingency of people who just like those movies. Uh, but they wouldn't, I wouldn't call them a fan base. I would call it just, like, broad appeal. People, you know, don't know anything about the X-Men. They just know Wolverine is a thing, and he has claws, and that's cool. And so they'll go and see it for that. So it's not really a fan base. It's not even Wolverine fans who are like excited to see people. I guarantee you, like ninety percent of people who are like big fans of Wolverine in the comics would have rather Shadowcat be the person going back in time. So I, I think it's really just named. You know, Ellen Page doesn't have the uh, the sort of the draw that Hugh Jackman has, and uh, or the recognition with the franchise. She was only in Last Stand, ironically, um, as Kitty Pryde. She it was different characters play, or different actresses playing uh, Shadowcat throughout the series. So, um, so I think that's what it is. I don't think it's fan fan base appeasal. But the one thing I will say is that while I don't think there was a, a, need, a, a need for Wolverine to go back as opposed to any other character, there was a need for a character to go back. And I do think also that um, there was that very, very good moment, in my opinion, where um, young Xavier talks to or looks into Wolverine's head and sees what happens to him specifically and specifically in Last Stand, which I thought was sort of a nice thing without being like, I hated like, you know, Last Stand on, on Brian Singer's part. Um, there's actually a direct reference to these terrible things that happened to Wolverine um, throughout his whole life and all the way into, um, you know, what happens to Jean Grey and everything like that. Uh, and I think that that's a really important scene for a lot of reasons. Uh, one fan theory, and this is a fan theory, so perhaps it doesn't qualify as a justification, justification but there's a whole, this is another reason people hated The Last Stand, the Dark Phoenix storyline with Jean Grey, where there's this other thing living inside her, very, very powerful, is really like a tragic story, it's very deep, and goes on for a long time, it's this whole thing, it's what makes Jean Grey, you know, one of the most powerful mutants, and they just completely just went, they spent absolutely no time on it, and just, you know, sort of glossed over the whole story, and, and changed things, and et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, one fan theory is that uh, now that Xavier's seen inside Wolverine's future and seen inside his head and knows about the Phoenix Force, which he didn't know about before, he helps Jean Grey to control it, 
moving forward into the future, which is why she's still around when they, he goes into the future at the end, and why she has uh, very red hair and her clothes are darker and things like that, implying that she's like in a more symbiotic sort of relationship with the Phoenix Force. Um, so, in other words, it, it, it has direct consequences to what goes on later on. Uh, and the other the other thing that's important about Wolverine, because they made the choice to make Wolverine such a central character to the franchise, it's important that Xavier has him as sort of the map to the future and understanding how the future works through Wolverine because he's so central to so many of the plot lines because of the way they've made the movies, not because of the way X-Men is inherently. If that makes sense. Uh, well, yeah, but I think like everything, most of the stuff you just said is in some other movie that, you know, I don't feel like, <laughs> like if that's what happens with the Jean Grey stuff, I think that would be really cool to see in a movie. But if we see that at some point, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if we see that at some point, but if all you know, if all we're seeing here is just like, oh, check out this thing we're gonna do in the future, it's gonna be really cool. I kind of feel like I ultimately it's speculation. It's speculation. What it comes down to with me for Days of Future Past is like this movie doesn't advance this franchise in any way, and if I'm going to see the seventh movie in a franchise. I kind and it's this touted as this kind of big. It's like the two casts are going to be in the same movie. It's going to be this monumentous. It it moves backwards. I mean, it's it really is just like table clearing. It's kind of it's like just getting everything out of the way so that we can do more of these. And I was I'm so disappointed by that. And I feel like if you just want a retcon, why do you need to spend an entire movie retconning? Like Professor X just shows up alive again. If you want to, you, you've done that already. We know that that happens at the end of X3. We know that Jean Grey isn't dead at the end of X2. This is not the first time that they've just kind of changed things around. I, I like, if this is what you, direction you want to go with the franchise, I don't know why they went to such lengths and built it and built this movie up as this singular event. And it really. It goes nowhere. It has the only bearing it has on the franchise is to erase everything that we've already seen, except for but first that's, class. But that's pretty huge. That's a huge thing. It's not, and it's not just one or two characters. It's like everything about the, what happens in the future. I mean, the implication in 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 this movie is that you know everything that happens with the Sentinels and all that, or even if the Sentinels are still a thing, or they still have to deal with them in the future, the world's not this post-apocalyptic wasteland. Because he goes back to the exact same point in the future that he left. And, you know, Xavier's school's still open, and the X-Men are all there, and they're all chilling or whatever. Um, now, don't get me wrong. By the way, this is just a side point, but I actually thought the third act of this film was the weakest. I, I thought the first and second acts, particularly the first act, were far, much superior. So, um, having said that, I still really enjoyed the film. But anyway, so um, I thought that this... Uh, so, 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 you know, so everything has changed then. So the entire team is still there. All of these characters are still there. They're not on the run for their life. You know, uh, uh, they didn't go through this whole um, phase with the, uh, with, from from Last Stand where the, you know, they were trying to demutant people or whatever they were trying to do there. Um, there was no, uh, this, the Phoenix Force thing never happened. So a lot of these, a lot of these really huge events never happened. And, and that's like, a lot to just pretend, you know, or just like assume it didn't, you know, to gloss over quickly. And well, so I think it warranted a, I think it warranted a story. That's kind of what this movie. 
it kind of does gloss over because if the way this movie starts is as much of a problem as the way it ends because it's that from the very beginning and it's a problem all throughout the movie the movie just kind of says that something is what it is and then goes from there because this is the story it has to tell all of a sudden you know with no previous indication in any of these movies this is a post-apocalyptic future with these you know gigantic sentinel robots who have wiped out almost all the mutants and it's not like you know the last x-men movie was leading up to this really it's like x3 had some some escalation in the mutant human you know relations but nothing that indicated that it would become this and certainly like it's such a it's so weird to all like all of a sudden we are 10 years removed from whatever wherever the last whatever the last thing we happened that happened to us was and what we have to do is go back in time and make sure none of this bad stuff ever happened it's like well if it just seems so arbitrary to me and it seems like you really wanted to tell this story that's because it's a really popular comic story but you didn't want to well, but you couldn't, based on what you had already done, build it up in any way. I don't so the- think I don't think that it was that they wanted to do it because it was popular. I think they were like, we have a problem with this franchise, and short of entirely rebooting it, we don't really have a plan. And so, what are we going to do? And so, what they decided was, oh, look, there's something already made that would let us get rid of a lot of this stuff. Why don't we just do that? And that's what they did. Well, that's exactly that's exactly my problem, though. It's like if you're going to tell a story, tell it because it's a good story. And, you know, at least do your best to make it a, a flow logically from the stories you've already told. It's like, yeah, you, if, you, if you screwed up on X3, that's fine that you acknowledge it, but... Well, first of all, I, think, I, don't think really it doesn't, do? I don't think it doesn't flow from Last Stand. I mean, so, like, obviously there's no indication of Trask or any of these things going on, or these, these Sentinels. Although there is a Sentinel in the first scene of uh, Last Stand. There is a Sentinel. They kill one in the uh, test room. It's like this fan thing that they decided to do um with no real follow-up um but i agree but there is more of a a, an anti-mutant sentiment growing and things and they make a big deal about that even as far back as x1 you still had um they kill senator kelly in the very first x-men i think magneto does he's doing some weird experiment or something it it, melts on a beach yeah and then he like turns into this liquid it's this weird thing. But, but Senator Kelly is behind a lot of the Sentinel-related, you know, anti-mutant stuff, too, except he's killed pretty quickly in the uh, story, and Mystique ends up taking his place in uh, the government and pretending to be him. It's a whole thing in that. Um, so I think that there's there's seeds of this. Obviously, it doesn't automatically... Uh, it doesn't dictate that this is going to be the... Um, the, the like That the future is going to be this post-apocalyptic... post-apocalyptic awful scenario nightmare scenario but two things about that first most of the, except for the only movies that really follow from one another are x1 and x2 those those go together x3 doesn't really follow from x2 in, a, in, a, in any sort of meaningful way there are some connections but not really and characterization wise it doesn't make a whole lot of sense new characters are in it that don't i were never in it before there's a whole thing there um but i think that i think that i didn't have a problem with them just starting with you know this post-apocalyptic crazy wasteland thing uh because you know for me first class was a reboot and so this this follows well from first class in my opinion i think it falls directly in a, in a really cool way um and then 
It even though kind of doesn't, because we pick up ten years after the events of First Class, and every single character is in a wildly different place than when we left them. Sure, but I think that that's that's interesting. That's a, that's a reasonable. I don't think that's such a crazy jump. I don't. And and to have the the one way I could see you, like, would you have been happier if the future cast was a completely different cast of actors from the previous movies, and that First Class and X Men Days of Future Past were just like separate universes? I mean, I think it might as well be because they don't do anything with the future cast well, except that's... for them to be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they have to be in it to for the whole, you know, sending somebody back. Well, yeah, but did <laughs> Professor X and Magneto really need to be there? Did anyone but Wolverine? Like, even Shadowcat, her, powers, her power was walking through walls, and all of a sudden in this movie, she can use her hands to send your oh, yeah. consciousness no, that, back in time. That made no sense. What they wanted is for her to have a role in it because... They knew yeah. they were short shrifting her for no reason. But like, if you're just gonna make stuff up, just make up a new mutant. <laughs> you might as well. Well, yeah, but I mean, then you have to introduce yet another character, and they were characters I had to look up from the future. They do in this movie, though. There's no the one who could open portals. No, no, no they the... did, and I had to look up. Well, that was clear. I couldn't figure out what Bishop did until I yeah, looked it up he later. Yeah, kind of like his eyes turned red sometimes. I didn't know what was going on. Apparently, he absorbs energy and then can shoot it at people. So, if you say so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it like that makes sense. I just wasn't entirely sure. It seemed like he was powering up every time they shot him with things, and so he could yeah. shoot, you know. But I guess he has a limit on how much he can. Um, which is, by the way, the exact same way the last black guy died in first class. <laughs> Darwin dies by over, you know, too much energy and just blows up. Um, but whatever. Um, so, so there were so there were characters I had to look up. Um, Warpath, I couldn't figure out. He is like sight or something he could see far away or hear them coming or something i don't know i don't even remember which character that is that's, is that's he the guy with the with the sword paint over his eyes yeah he's the sword yeah he's like the guy with the sword who warns them that somebody's coming so they can do the yeah whole. yeah i and I, you didn't think that first scene was cool where they they no that was a cool scene where they escape from place to place and that's how they and they go back in time so they can warn each other and get out before no, the that was cool i but i just feel like I like all these. I like all the new mutants. I really like Blink. I think her power is the best. Yeah. That's one of my new favorite mutant power. Um, but it was a weird mix where like we have three or four characters who you already know from these other movies, and then instead of like, I mean, the problem with these X Men movies has always been that they have they've developed like five uh, at most of the X Men, and the rest are just kind of ancillary. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, but like, why? Why would bring back like? Uh, Nightcrawler or something. He was kind of fun, or like a secondary mutant who we have an attachment to. Everybody's just... everybody's been waiting for Nightcrawler to come back. You were. You're I hope he does come that. back. Maybe in the next. Uh, well, the, maybe in the next one. The problem. <laughs> the problem is that they. Um, Alan Cummings refuses to come back. He hated being a part of this franchise. Uh, <laughs> oh really? He, yeah, oh, that's too bad. He was the best part of X two, and he he won't come back. Um, he hated being in makeup, from what I understand, for four hours, five hours, um, because the brilliant people at Fox decided that instead of doing Mystique and Nightcrawler in bodysuits or doing one of the normal things and not having crazy tattoos and all the intricate design and stuff that was never in the comics, uh, they were going to have these long makeup sessions that would take four, five, six hours. They were going to have to do these intricate like designs and all these symbols and things on them. That wasn't a thing at all um, in the comics. And what that did was make actors fidgety and not want to do it. I guess Jennifer Lawrence's game, but... Um, and Rebecca Romaine was willing to do it, but uh, Alan Cummings was like, "Yeah, no, I'm not doing that again." Um, but yes, no, he he would, and he would have been. It's funny too. The other problem with the X Men universe is there's always like a character who would be really useful. Like 
I don't know, sending Quicksilver away for apparently no reason. He probably would have been really useful oh, at God. numerous points. And that points. scene was the best scene in the whole movie. Oh, hands down. Like, I, I was going to say, at least we can agree on Quicksilver being awesome. Yeah. Taken alone, that scene is, a, is fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant. No, I, I loved it. And, and I actually am, speaking of other franchises, I'm very curious to see what Joss Whedon does now that he's, I'm sure, seen this version of Quicksilver. Yeah. Um, and I bet he saw X-Men Days of Future Past right away, A, because he's a geek, and B, because he wrote X-Men comics a lot. Oh, time. yeah, that's true. Didn't they base X3 off of, of his? Right? Um, I don't know. I, he wrote some, I don't think it was Uncanny. It was uh, something X-Men, but it, it was like, it's a very well-liked uh, X-Men series. Um, again, ensemble cast, he was down for it, you know. This is his, that's his jam. But, uh, yeah, so he... Um, so I'm sure he saw this, and I'm curious to see how that affects the uh, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson version of uh, of Quicksilver because it's going to be wildly different. I'm sure. That's another weird franchise thing that we're just like this is the first time that I can think of that this has ever happened. It's where we're finally getting these that, weird, yeah. yeah, with all these weird studio agreements, like we're going to see two different versions of a character in two different franchises that aren't at all related to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, they didn't do anything with Scarlet Witch in Days of Future Past. Cause they didn't, although they did know. imply it. Uh, they had him a, pic- a picture or something of him with his sister. Um, mm. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. But yeah. she's like a kid. She's like a child. So um, that wasn't really a thing yet, but it could end up being something later on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think... Um, I'll say one more thing about the X-Men franchise. I think that um, another thing that they wanted to do is... First of all, Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, said that he wasn't going to come back for um, any more movies. And then as soon as this started doing well, he's like, yeah, I might come back uh, for more (laughs) movies. Um, And it's both a good thing and a bad thing. One, I I think he's a good actor. I think he he does a very good job as Wolverine. And I think he likes the role. And I I really appreciate actors who genuinely do their homework on characters. Like Carl Urban in Dread. He's a huge Dread fan and came with a stack of comics to his audition and stuff. I think that's great. Um, so I, I appreciate that, uh, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, great, we get another Wolverine-centric X-Men movie, I'm sure. Um, so that's, you know, sort of the trade-off there. Uh, but by bringing the future, but the other thing I wanted to say was that by bringing the future cast back, they get to keep a lot of these really fantastic actors. I mean, I honestly, I, I love the, the first-class actors, but I really love a lot of the, um, cast of the, uh, the future Particularly, obviously, Magneto and, and Xavier. I think those are phenomenal castings. Uh, and in Apocalypse, they, they claim in X-Men Apocalypse, there's going to be a lot of future past... They're both going to be involved in the plot now. So, oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm sure they are. And yeah. I honestly don't understand how that's even remotely possible unless they do more... Unless there's... I haven't read the Apocalypse comics. Maybe there's a future past thing going on. Um, but Well, I mean, they, they kind of have to now because they... S- reset that whole side of the universe so like it's not i i doubt they would just kind of leave it there now that they have gone to all this trouble to bring back gene gray and cyclops and all these all fixed all these storylines they they thought they screwed up right well they did but they could also just leave it and say like that's the end point but now how do they get i would there? like that a lot more if that's what happens <laughs> if that's what happens i will i will walk back this opinion on days of future past really a little wow because yeah, because I feel if if that if that's just our goodbye to that cast completely, then that I actually kind of like that. And, but I really get the impression just from the way you know it's presented that 
look, we're, you know, this is us. We're going to do more adventures with these guys now because we brought up, we can, we brought them back. You don't like that they can just do anything now? I don't know. It's exciting for me. I don't. Really, you really I don't. I feel like, no. I, I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I, yeah, it's, it, none, of, none of this has any meaning now anymore, really. Mm-hmm. Because now we've, and that's the problem with death in comic books just in general. It's like, death does not matter at all in a comic book because I don't think a character's ever stayed dead in a comic book. That's true. Um, Although, I don't know if you heard this, but did you see Wolverine is officially dead? In the comics, yeah, I heard. Supposedly, which is um, which is pretty remarkable. Considering of all the, the characters, character. though, it's like he's the he's the one who just can come back all the time. He can, although I would say, like you know, chop off his head. There's only so much you can regenerate. So you know, just a just I a guess. guess. We'll see although, how they handle it. Yeah, but um, but anyway, that's a, that's a separate thing. Um, but yes, you're right. That is a problem. It's a problem in the Marvel universe. Um, but we'll get into that next time. <laughs>